Well, hello, Saturday. This and every Saturday we come at you live with Ed Stetzer Live, and I'm Ed Stetzer. I'm the Executive Director of the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center. I serve as a Dean and Professor at Wheaton, all of which I'm on sabbatical from for nine more months, so I don't know why I keep saying that. Really, I just have the privilege of being your radio host this and every Saturday uh, as uh, here at Moody Radio Partners and Affiliates. As always, if you find these programs helpful, you can uh, listen to First Live Saturday all across the country, coast to coast, online. But also, too, you can subscribe to this as a podcast. And increasingly, people are doing that. We're for that. We'd like people to be able to listen to the content whenever they might find uh, find that helpful. So uh, we're going to talk today about, uh, well, some, some about, about women. And so I'm going to be the question asker. I'm going to just ask questions, set up our guests to bring brilliance, take your calls as well. Uh, let me tell you about our guest. Let me tell you about her book. And we'll walk through uh, both of those things together. Our guest is Allison Cook. The, the, uh, the, the title of the book is The Best of You, Break Free from Painful Patterns, Mend Your Past, and Discover Your True Self in God. And it's, it's helpful for everybody, but we'll talk, we'll talk about it from perspective of uh, some of the questions I ask will be related to women and women's lives and women's journey. And so, but let me tell you about uh, Dr. Cook just a little bit too, so you know why we're having her on the program. So Dr. Allison Cook is a psychologist and writer Earned the trust of thousands of women. She's got practical, wise, compassionate approach to becoming um, the whole person. Her popular blog and podcast reach uh, over 50,000 women each week. She studied at Dartmouth, Denver Seminary, and the University of Denver, where she did her PhD, specialized in the integration of theology and psychology. And for over two decades, she's helped women heal from past wounds and experience a loving God who is for them. So let me just welcome Allison. Say thanks for joining us on the program, Dr. Cook. Uh, thanks so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Well, it's always a strange thing when we're talking about something I'm not, but I think it's good. You know, the majority <laughs> of the majority of people who listen to radio are women. Uh, the majority of people who engage in our audience are women. And we're going to talk uh, from your book uh, and, and kind of mm-hmm. walk through several questions that are uh, related to this and also uh, open it up for people's calls. Again, the title of the book is The Best of You, Break Free from Painful Patterns, Mend Your Past, and Discover Your True Self in God. And so we want people to be aware of that. It's it's just mm-hmm. out like four days ago. So it's yeah. brand new, out, and people can pick it up from Thomas Nelson, our friends there at Tom and, uh, Thomas Nelson. So talk to us a little bit. Um, what, what kind of led you in the direction to write the best of you? A couple of different reasons that true self in God is really key in the title. That was an important thing for us because we're hearing a lot about true self in our larger culture, right? That self, you know, can get sort of this heightened seat at the table. And as people of faith, on the other hand, you know, we can sort of take it to another extreme. We can say, well, well, we're not supposed to think about ourselves. We're not supposed to focus on ourselves. And so I see sort of these two competing messages. And in my work as a therapist, what I've come to discover and and out of my own life is God wants us to become the people he made, right? When when we talk about following Jesus, it's it's a process of dying to old ways to become more of your true self, more of that beautiful person God made. And that requires for most people a process of healing because most of us have picked up wounds. Most of us have picked up painful patterns of relating to others, past traumas, wounds that keep us from that becoming more and more and more of that true self that God made. So it came out of my own life and it came out of my practice of almost two decades working with women. 
Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. And and again, I, I said early on that I mean these truths and ideas can be applicable to yes. men and women, but your your audience yeah. has been written in this in, in in with women in mind. So why do you think um, it's so hard for 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 women to? And again, using some of the language you've written about, this isn't me sitting back saying why is it so hard for women? As a <laughs> husband of one wife and the father of three daughters, I don't begin any sentence like that. But mm-hmm. um, you know, to rec- you talk about how to recognize and value what what mm-hmm. women think, want, and need. Uh, matters and 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 why do you, it's hard maybe to recognize and value that? Yeah, I talk about what I call sort of a cocktail of codependency, and what I mean by that is what I mean by codependency is sort of one of these buzzy words, right? And all it really means is there's a such a, a hyper focus on helping others, on fixing the needs of others, that we lose connection with our core sense of self. And so we sort of become consumed by someone else. And I talk about three factors that I think particularly women, but as you say, everybody, we can all be susceptible. One are some childhood wounds. We can pick up these coping strategies of, if I can just make everybody else around me happy, then I feel safe. But there's a problem with that because you're not really getting the care that you need as a child. Number two, there are some church messages that can get misconstrued. And I do think it happens more for women. There's been, and then that leads to number three, which is there's sort of been for aeons for women, this idea that women don't have a voice, women weren't allowed to vote, women weren't educated. You know, there's there's centuries of this idea of women kind of trying to figure out who are we in the world? What is our place in the world? And we see Jesus constantly lifting women up coming alongside women, empowering women, going against the cultural, you know, traditions of his day to lift women up. But it's still confusing for women, right? Are we supposed to stay quiet? Are we not supposed to have a voice if we do have a voice? And then again, there's this other extreme, you know, where the culture is starting to say, well, you should only have a voice, you know, you should forget about listening, you know. And so there's these sort of all these weird messages out there that I think are particularly challenging for women. How do I have a voice? How do I consider myself, even focus on myself from time to time without being selfish and still being a loving person, still caring for the people around me? And that was really the needle I was trying to thread with this book. I think we have some unique challenges as women figuring out how to show up in confidence, having a voice um, in this nuanced way where we also still really want to care about other people. We just don't want to do it to the extent of betraying ourselves. Yeah, that makes sense. Makes sense. And and the book, which you mentioned is the book, the, the full title is The Best of You, Break Free from Painful Patterns, Mend Your Past, and Discover Your True Self. You've kind of reverted to the old days when titles were long. And so what I'm going <laughs> to occasionally refer to is just The Best of You. Yes. And yes. so, so and, and again, and but the, if you, people can't see the cover, but the bottom of it, Your True Self and God is sort of like, it's sort of like capital letters. And so it's mm-hmm. not just The Best of You, but Your True Self. Uh, in God. And so right. when you when you were sitting down to kind of think through some of these things, one of the things you talked about is when women face a dilemma, how mm-hmm. uh, what they do, do they work? How do they respond? Unpack that a little mm-hmm. bit more for us. Yeah. So what I would see in my counseling practice is a woman would come to me, you know, I need you to help me fix my marriage. I need you to help me fix my kid. I need you to help me fix my friendships. I need you to help me fix these things. 
you know, I, I can't figure out what to do. And what inevitably the process would end up becoming is that's where the title came from. Listen, I don't know. How, I, I can't go into those relationships with you. Right. I don't you know, I can learn. I can listen. I can. But what I can do is equip you to become the best version of you with God's help. I believe we form a partnership with God. We co-create with God. So with God's help, I can help you become more of who God made you to be to heal some of these tendencies so that you can go back into your relationships more effectively, more wisely, more equipped to change those relationships, to hopefully inspire growth in those relationships. And so that's what I kept seeing over and over. It's like, we get stuck, we get confused and women tend to, men do it too. It's not, you know, this certainly is not just women, but most of my practice has been working with women. We'll tend to look to outside of ourselves. And I talk about in this, this, the book, there's this psychology term called locus of control. There's internal locus of control and external locus of control. And men tend toward, the research shows, men tend to look inside themselves. What should I do next? What do I want to do with my life? What decision should I make, right? There's something in the water, you know, for centuries that men have been instilled, even men of faith with this confidence internally to go, what do I want? How do I go get what I want? Women more, in, as the research shows, tend to look outside of themselves. What do other people think I should do? What do other people think I want? What will other people think if I do this? And that leads to this sort of, over emphasis. We need both, right? We need to look inside. There's there's three relationships that are paramount. We need to look inside of ourselves. God has given us internal resources. We have a nervous system. We have emotions, our body, anxiety. A lot of the things that happen inside of us are cues that help us understand when we're, we're not in alignment with who God made us to be. Those are internal resources. There are also external. We do want to look to other people, but not at the exclusion of what our own God-given self, our own God-given body is telling us, you know, about our limitations, about what brings us joy, about what actually makes us feel really uncomfortable. And then, of course, all of this we bring into partnership with God. But with women, that's what I, you know, with men sometimes, if I was working with a couple or family, it's like, I need you to think about the person around you. Right. I need you to think about how's this affecting that person. And again, these are broad brush strokes, right? These are stereotypes. It's not true of all men or not true of all women. But more often than not with women, I was like, I want you to think, look and look to yourself. What is it you really want here? Because sometimes people just don't know. They, they you know, you, you, if you don't know what you really need and what you really want in any given moment, how can you ask for that? And how can the people around you come support you in that? But women in general haven't been conditioned, haven't been taught how to do that. They, they shrink from that in general. Um, that's been my experience both in my own life and in you know these two decades of practice. So what I've been trying to do in this book is nudge women toward not, not never listening to other people at all, but consider that you have this incredible, I call it your inner alert system that God mm. gave you that has warning bells that go off, you know, that gives you indicators through your emotions, through your body, through your nervous system of when you're stepping into a situation that maybe is dangerous, maybe is toxic, maybe is out of alignment with what God's calling you to. And we have to start learning to pay attention to those inner resources. Hmm. We're going to continue our conversation in just a moment with Allison Cook. 
Uh, we're asking some good questions. We invite you to join us. Maybe questions about, you know, uh, how do I find my voice? How do I heal from pain in the past? And more. Our phone number, if you'd like to join us online, is 877-548-3675. If you got some questions, maybe you got a thought, um, 877-548-3675. You can join us in a conversation with Dr. Allison Cook about her new book, well, and about who we are in the best of you. Thanks. Politics brings more division than ever, and social media is moving many to be less social and more critical. Those with Christian views are also often being dismissed. Well, what if the rise of secularism, though, is good news for the church? Throughout history, these times of decline traditionally precede powerful spiritual renewal, even revival. You need to read Mark Sayer's book, Reappearing Church, The Hopeful Renewal in the Rise of Our Post-Christian Culture. Get a copy of Reappearing Church today at moodypublishers.com. Hey, we're back. Hi, Ed Stetzer here with Ed Stetzer Live. We're talking to Allison Cook. Uh, she's got a new book out just like four days ago, and it's called The Best of You, Break Free from Painful Patterns, Mend Your Past, and Discover Your True Self in God. She has uh, been working in, with women, particularly and primarily, and but the book, of course, is helpful for everybody. And we're talking some with her and taking your calls about some of the questions that maybe um, are unique to um, the kind of conversations she's led in counseling with women, uh, but also but also something that that uh, that I think we all can learn from as well. So I want to encourage you to stay tuned, to call in. Again, 877-548-3675. Uh, one of the questions, you, you've sort of talked about, you know, listening uh, you know, to yourself, drawing some of these things forward. Um, you, you know, well, some people would say focusing on ourselves is actually uh, kind of a bad thing, that it's selfish. Um, why, why is that not the case? Yeah, I, I walk through in the very first chapter because that's what I'll, I'll hear, this idea of a true self. And again, these were, um, you know, this is a passage that I'm pulling from where G, uh, the Apostle John says, um, whoever did want Jesus, who believed he was, who he claimed and would do what he said, he made to be their true selves, their child of God's selves. And we see when Jesus says, he talks about the metaphor of a grain of wheat when he talks about denying yourself. And if you read that passage closely, unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world, right? So it's it's gotta die. It is never any more than a grain of wheat. But if it is buried, it sprouts and reproduces itself many times over, right? So there's this idea that when we think about, when I talk with women about this idea, they'll, they'll say, well, aren't I supposed to deny myself? Isn't it selfish? And I say to myself, sometimes we are denying our God-given selves. Sometimes we are denying our talent. Sometimes we are denying beautiful things about ourselves. And that's not what Jesus meant when he's talking about denying the old ways, put off the old nature. Sometimes that means putting off our tendency to people please, to make other people happy, right? That's a lot of what I talk about in this book. Sometimes he means putting off the old ways of trying to win love, of perfectionism, of performing, of producing, because those are our old ways. That was my story. My story was I knew how to make everybody feel great. But that wasn't actually the, the true self God was calling me to, which was to sometimes stand up for things that mattered to me, that mattered to God, that didn't make other people happy, right? And so this is what I say to women. Selfishness is saying, you know, it's all about me. It's my way or the highway. 
But we can misconstrue the opposite side, which is selflessness, to mean it's never about me. I should mm. never have a say. And where I land on this idea of selfhood or true self is I need to be who God made me to be. And you need to be who God made you to be. And that means we're going to have to work together because what I have to say and what how God's made me matters, how God's made you matters. It's the harder way, right? We have to negotiate together. This is community, a way forward. It's not all about me, but it is a little bit about me. Because every relationship has two people that matter, and each of those person has a voice. And we have to learn to get along. We have to learn to speak up for ourselves. And then we have to learn how to negotiate. And that's the whole process. I don't get into the negotiating until I think chapter nine. That's like it one of those extremes or the other, I do not believe is what is healthy psychologically. And it's not what I see in the life of Jesus. Jesus had a strong sense of himself. He wasn't a doormat. Sometimes he showed up with really strong statements of conviction that didn't make other people happy. You know, he wasn't always nice. He wasn't always pleasing. And I think especially for women, when we hear this message of die to yourself or always focus on other people, what parts of us pick up is I should only ever be nice. I should only ever put other people first. Sometimes that enables other people. Sometimes that's not good for other people. And that is not the example that we see in Jesus. And so especially for women, I think sometimes we're taught to live sacrificially as Jesus did without being taught to model his strength at the same time. Both mm. are important. Mm. And okay, so that's not, you know, depending on what I don't know what world you're engaging in for some, mm -hmm. in some places that's welcomed in women. People are like, yeah, you yes. do those things. And other places like, no, no, yes. don't, don't, don't do that. So yes. how do you know where, where to find that, um, that, that right balance for you, uh, that right as a follower of Jesus, as someone mm -hmm. who's, you know, cause people are different. You know, I, I'm the father of three daughters and they are all yeah. remarkably different when they bring their <laughs> true selves to the, to the conversation. Yes. We were just talking about this the other day with my, my father, how different the grandkids are for him. Um, mm -hmm. And all young women and all different. So how do you, I mean, obviously it's not one size fits all. So what does it look like to find that true self? Yeah. And that's why these, these are really hard nuanced topics, right? Which is hard to talk about in our culture today. The nuance of it's not my way of the highway. It's not, you have to listen to my voice because it's my voice, right? That's not the, but it's also not, I'm not going to say anything at all. Right. And so we have to go through this whole process of, first of all, figuring out what do I feel or think in this situation? It may not mean that I'm right. It may not mean that I can get what I need. It may mean that I have to be patient because what I'm seeing and what I actually need out of this relationship is valid, but it's going to take a minute for that other person to understand that. So I may have to be patient both with myself and with others, but I'm still honoring that desire. I'm still honoring that I'm seeing something that matters here. And so when I talk about finding your voice, I, I, in the, in the middle section of the book, I kind of, it's a how-to. It's like how to start learning to listen to what we think, what we feel, listening to what is the voice of, I call it ego, that's like, I need to make all those people like me because I can't stand it if they don't. Well, that's not true self. That's ego. And it's very insidious. And we can conflate it with, I'm a good Christian, right? Like, I know how to make everybody like me. But is that, what if God is calling you to stand up for something, right? So some of it is 
we have to be paying attention to ourselves with God. We have to be spending time. Augustine said it. John Calvin said it. They both talked about, this is not a new idea. If I'm far from my own self, how can I be close to God? If I'm not coming to God and saying, God, here's what's going on with me today. I'm a little angry about this. I'm a little frustrated with this. I'm not sure about this. And examine that. Not to stay self-focused, but to bring that before God for refinement and to say, sometimes God might say, yeah, you need to let that resentment go. Sometimes God, you know, sometimes you might realize in partnership with God, there's something to that anger. Something wrong is happening there and you might need to speak up courageously. So it requires a relationship. We talk about this relationship with God. We actually have to have a relationship with God daily where it's, it's learning about God and it's also bringing what we're learning about ourselves into that relationship. It's a two-way street. I believe God wants to be invited into all of that. I talk a lot about the idea that finding your voice isn't about being the loudest person in the room, isn't about getting your way all the time, but it is about learning the process. And you know this in marriage to be true of saying, this is actually what I want in this I get, or even in parenting, right? This is what I want in this. I get that you want to go in a different direction. I can honor what you want. I still have to say no to you, let's say as a parent, you know, but I don't think this is healthy for you and I am your parent, but I can honor that that's a genuine desire in you. So again, there's some nuance there, right? Of honoring what someone wants, desires, thinks, prefers, still disagreeing, but coming alongside each other. I think that's how we become a community, a body of Christ. It's not through just completely silencing anything that's hard, anything that's painful, anything that is confusing or might lead to a challenging or courageous conversation. Mm, good stuff. Because we're going to invite our callers as well, and then we're going to take some calls, actually. So if you want to join this conversation, we're, we're at 877-548-3675. Again, that's 877-548-3675. Let's go to Alberta in Grand Haven, Michigan. Alberta, you're live on the air. Go ahead with your question or your comment. Uh, my question, my comment, I am totally in this um, battle of... Um, I grew up in the Second World War in Europe, and, you know, I went to school in the 40s and 50s. I'm 85, and I was not allowed to ask questions. And in, in this situation, I found that I was very kind of, I, I, the only way I can express it, like in a box. And I think God just helped me out of this. But because um, I I was, my parents were divorced, and there was always fights I made up my mind not to say anything, and uh, and then now that you know I'm looking back in my life, that was wrong too. But exactly what you're talking about was my problem, and I have this. I have a daughter who says the same, who has the same problem now, and we are trying to um, get something, get our family together. We have a wonderful family. Otherwise, um, I have four daughters. And and we care each other very much. But as the grandchildren, great grandchildren are now, with my great, my oldest great granddaughter, my daughter and I have the same problem. Of help, Alberta, help me know what that problem to, is. Right, help me know what that problem is, problem, and go ahead and get to your question. The problem is, 
getting our respect for our opinion, getting our mm -hmm. voice in, and being respected for our voice. Um, yeah. Because we are not saying anything, so we're trying to bring healing, and and we we deal exactly with what um, what you're talking about. Yeah. And and I I yeah. do know the Lord because my mom was very strong in the Lord, and I took my courage all my lifetime. Lord, you and I can do that. I'm a widow now for 11 years, and I'm saying, Lord. You know, if I haven't got the strength to do something, Lord, you and I, we can do something. But now I'm I'm in this battle here between my, not, I'm not battling with them, but my granddaughter, she had a uh, um, the, the COVID and shots or no shots. This came also into into this. Alberta, we're so, gonna we're coming up we, to the bottom of the hour, Alberta. So we, we gotta we gotta go and let Allison comment. Allison, we got about thirty seconds before the break. So help talk about and, and thank you so much, Alberta, for your call. Uh, talk to us a little bit about finding your voice, but we do have about thirty seconds, and we'll take a break and come back. I'll say a quick thing on this. It's there's a difference between speaking from different emotions, yelling, speaking from anger, speaking from and and I walk you through a process of this in the book. I give you scripts and speaking on behalf of ourselves and saying, man, there's a part of me that's frustrated right now, right? Instead of coming at somebody and saying, you never listen to me. That's never constructive and never helpful. But there's a process you can speak on behalf of what you're feeling that leads to these healthy conversations. So good. So good. Alberta, if you'll hold on the line too, we want to give you a copy of The Best of You by Dr. Elson Cook. We're taking your calls uh, 877, sorry, the bottom of the hour is kind of a hard stop, but we're taking your calls at 877-548-3675. Again, 877-548-3675. Okay, we're back, and the joys of technology, the bottom and the end of the show, the bottom of the hour and the top of the, and the end of the show are just hard breaks. So, Alberta, thank you for your good comments. Sorry we had to uh, cut that a little bit short, but hopefully got in what you were talking and sharing and got good response and help. And hopefully the book will be helped, too. So we're thankful for you. Sorry about the challenges of technology. So let's go to Cynthia in Florida. Cynthia, you're live on the air. What's your question or your comment? Oh, um, I just turned the radio on. It's exactly what I'm going through, but I understand the lady that wrote the book, and um, actually, that's me. But I'm in this relationship where uh, I married this man, and um, he was a very beautiful person, but there's all these other underlying issues. We both love Jesus. And I, uh, the Lord taught me the woman's intuition, and we're considering coming back together after a couple of years of separation. And uh, he wants to immediately come home, and I'm being cautious because I've been through a lot of abuse, and I know I've realized that uh, emotional abuse is way deeper than any other abuse, and to hear him go on and on. He's, he's bipolar. He has mental illness. He's a, nar a narcissist. Um, he's, he's been a crack addict. Mm. And yet um, we know he has this great calling, but it's like Satan wants to keep him down. But 
all these, like this morning, all, you know, he just talks and talks and talks to where it's just like your head is spinning. You know, and I need time with the Lord. I like to hear the Holy Spirit talk to me. I want to hear these programs because they feed me. And uh, I just know that, I mean, I've learned a lot being with him because uh, nothing can separate me from Jesus Christ. Mm. And I just, um, I'm trying to ask, you know, what would be the, I keep thinking we need some counseling. I need to be heard. Mm. Is this, are we on the same page? Is there going to be time for me to talk? And be valued. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, let's let's um, Cynthia. Let's if you'll hold on too. I want to give you a copy um, of Allison's book because I think it might be of help on the journey. But let's also have Allison kind of weigh in a little bit. Again, keeping in mind, Allison, I know you know you're 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 in professional practice. You don't know all the details of this, so give us just some high level response to some of Cynthia's questions and thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, you know, both of both you and the other woman who spoke, you know, my heart breaks for you because there's, there's these, there are all these wounds there, right? And we have to heal ourselves before we can re-engage a healthy relationship with someone else. So one of the best things we have to give our significant relationships is healing of ourselves. And that applies to both parties. But in the book, I walk you through, there's a whole chapter on boundaries, and I kind of I talk about this whole spectrum of behavior, spectrum of toxicity, right? And there are different tactics, and we see we see it in the life of Jesus. Different ways of communicating based on different types of wounding, and then I go into how do we heal from our own wounds that we're bringing into our relationships because we all bring them. We all bring a suitcase filled with baggage. Both, you know, almost always all of us have our own suitcase full of baggage, you know, and we forge these relationships without unpacking those suitcases. And so that's where you wind up with someone where you love this person, but we've all these big, huge suitcases filled with baggage. We've never figured out how to unpack. And so I walk you through those different processes and then a process of coming together and negotiating a new way forward. But you're wise. It does take time. It takes communication, and often it takes a wise third party to walk a couple through that, to sit down with you and walk you through how to unpack both suitcases of baggage, you know, in a way that is safe, in a way that is contained, where you're not doing any more harm to each other or to the relationship. It often requires, when you're dealing with something like what you're dealing with, that independent third-party person to help you determine, can we forge a way forward after all of this hurt? We don't want to hurt each other anymore. Mm. So give yourself the gift of a process. Give yourself the gift of someone coming alongside of you is what I would say. Yeah. And I think when she said, you know, should I get a counselor? I think our answer would be yes. I think yes. working through with the third party would be <laughs> yes. a helpful yes. part of that journey. That was a, there was yes. a lot of complexity in what Cynthia explained. Yes. So Cynthia, thank you for your call. We do encourage you to, uh, well, first the book will be on the way. The producer, our producer will come online and get and share that with you. Um, and, and then we'll, we'll hopefully that will be a help, but a counselor would be, probably be pretty helpful to come walk through that process with you. Uh, let's go to Penny in Alabama. Penny, you're live on the air. What's your question or your comment? What factors lead women to be people pleasers? 
straight and to the point. Let's have you hold on the line. We're going to give you a copy of Allison's book. But Allison, what do you think? Thank you, Penny. That's a great question. So I, the first woman who called in alluded to this, and this is in the chapter two. I call it the cocktail of codependency because codependency is a lot about becoming a a chronic people pleaser. It was my story, by the way. I mean, this is what I, you know, I found myself in my thirties going, I I only know how to please other people. Um, There's in, if we think about trauma, we think, you know, it's a big loaded word that we're hearing a lot about, but, but trauma is just these wounds that we pick up from our own childhoods. And let's say your parents fight a lot, right? As a young girl. And, and, and the, the first caller alluded to this, you tell yourself, I have to be invisible because I don't want to trigger their fights. It's called the fawn response. Many of us are familiar with the fight flight response. Some people move to fight. I'm going to fight for it. Some people move to flight. I'm going to run away. But there's this, what psychologists have learned, there's this fawn freeze response. The fawn response is if I can be just kind enough, helpful enough, pleasing enough, keep my own needs out of it, I can keep everybody around me happy. And often this is a coping tactic we develop all the way back in childhood. And guess what? We're affirmed for that. We're told you're such a good girl. You're so helpful. You're so kind. And instead of that young girl getting her own needs met, instead of learning, instead of a parent coming alongside that child saying, hey, your your dad and I were just having a fight and it's not your fault and it's not your job to keep us from fighting. We're sorry that you had to see that. And so then that little girl in her body gets the message, oh, this wasn't my fault. It's not my job to make them happy. But that so often doesn't happen. It can happen with in a divorce. It can happen with parents fighting with another sibling. We learn these messages. I have to stay invisible. And that's how I'll make everybody else around me happy. But instead, we have to go back in many ways and relearn a new message was actually, it's not my responsibility. All this chaos around me is not my responsibility. I didn't create these problems. It's not my problem to solve. My job is to actually soothe the anxiety that gets stirred up inside of me and get learn how to speak up for myself. But you can't do that as a child. We don't know how to do that. And so often as adults, as women, we have to learn, wait, it's not my job to keep my whole family together at the expense of my own needs. Right. It is my job to be a healthy parent, to be a healthy wife, to be a healthy mom, to be a healthy friend. Part of my job in doing that is to learn how to make sure my own physical, emotional, mental and spiritual needs are met. That's how I show up well for other people. But so often we were not taught that we were reinforced for being kind, for being invisible, for being low maintenance, for being not needy. And there's this healthy assertiveness that says, hey, I want to be there for you. And in order to show up for you well, I have to do this for myself. That's how I'm going to be a better mom. That's how I'm going to be a better wife. Two things can be true. So many of us weren't taught how to do that as children. Mm, Interesting. Now, you mentioned trauma a minute ago. and. Some of the conversation around trauma, mental illness, why are the two commonly lumped together and what do we need to know about them? Yeah, I talk about sort of, I I did my schooling more under the mental illness model and it's changed a lot in the last 20 years to where what we're realizing is what we used to call mental illness and mental illness is still a thing. You know, mental illness, some it, it, sometimes it's related to organic causes, biochemical causes, genetic causes where there's a predisposition to depression, to anxiety, to some of these mental 
disorders. A lot of times, however, what we've called mental illness is a result of trauma. And here's an example. When I started seeing clients very early on in graduate school, I would see, you know, a young girl who was very, very anxious, come to find out she'd been completely abandoned by her parents. She was essentially raising herself. And I would say to myself, I don't think that's an anxiety disorder. I think that's her body responding in a normal way to an extremely painful set of circumstances. Of course she's anxious. So that would be the front end. And then we began to get all these this research coming out about trauma that your body in the face of really hard things, whether it's neglect, whether your parents just didn't pay attention to you, whether you were abandoned, whether you were abused, whether you were emotionally eviscerated, you know, whether you were criticized, all of these things, your body is wired for connection. God made us. God made us to be held, to be seen, to be soothed by our primary caregivers, to be corrected, but in love, right, by our primary caregivers. When that is, and in so many cases, it happens so much more often than we think, when that doesn't happen, our bodies take on these fight, flight, these anxiety responses, these stress responses. Then we find ourselves in adulthood going, why am I anxious? Why am I depressed? Why don't I know how to have healthy relationships? Well, it's because there was trauma. And so we have to heal the wound. It's not your fault, so to speak, in that sense, right? It's not that you have some disorder. Your body is actually reacting. You know, if you think about it, if something really awful happens, you should have anxiety. That's a God-given defense mechanism, right? You know, that's a healthy thing. But what happens is if you never realize, oh, this wasn't supposed to be this way. I wasn't supposed to be raised with a ton of conflict. I wasn't supposed to be raised with parents who put me in the middle of their conflict, with parents who blamed me, who scapegoated me. I just thought that I was the problem, right? As children, we become self-shaming. And so then that shame leads to all this you know, depression, anxiety, all these things. That So we began to realize, oh, this isn't so much there's something wrong with you. The question is, what happened? What happened that caused all of this? And how can we heal that? So that's more of a trauma-informed uh, uh, approach versus a mental illness approach. Important distinctions, important conversations. We've got one more segment with our guest, Allison Cook. We're talking about her book, uh, The Best of You. And really unpacking the full title helps us the best of you break free from painful patterns mend your past and discover your true self in god uh last time if you want to give a call 877-548-3675 continue our conversation in just a moment hey we're back our final segment here on ed stetzer live and uh, we've got our great team kind of manning the phones, making the technology work. Let me mention Courtney Young, our engineer, uh, Karen Hendren, our producer. And we've got a couple of new folks helping us today manning the phones. I'm going to give them a special shout out in just a minute. But we got lots of good calls coming in, so we want to jump right back to those calls uh, as as well. So let's go to uh, let's go to Verna. Uh, Verna in, let's see, Calumet City. I've been there, Calumet City, Illinois. Verna, you're live on the air. Go ahead with your question or your comment. Hi. I want to know if uh, Dr. Cook's book addressed people with, like, anxieties. This person was a, a people pleaser, and um, she had some kind of traumatic event in her life, and she was always running to help her friends, and she became anxious, and um, she she has a, a 
it's like an identity issue now. She don't trust her own feelings. She said she don't know who she is. So I wondered if uh, the doctor's book addressed issues like that. Well, Vern, I want to give you a copy of that book for sure. So, so if you'd hold on, and we'll give uh, Dr. Cook a chance to answer the book. And to remind everyone, it's the best of you. Break free from painful patterns, mend your past, and discover your true self in God. So our producer will jump on. But Dr. Cook, I mean, that seems right up the yes. lane here that we're talking about. So unpack <laughs> exactly. that for us. Yeah, but don't. I mean, the answer is yes. But unpack a little bit that might be helpful for Verna's question as well. Yeah, I mean, and I I talk a little bit about my own story in the book. And identity is a great word. We talk a lot about our identity in Christ. What does that really mean? Um, And it's exactly what you're saying. If when someone is, we call it this fawn response, this anxiety response where we're only focused on other people. That was my story. And I tell a little bit about it in the book. I, um, I didn't know how to bring myself into relationships with other people. And so it left me very anxious. It left me very lonely, very isolated. Um, I only knew how to help people. But then at the end of the day, I would still feel anxious alone. And that really led to a, a sort of almost a breakdown, you know, where I had to go, what, what, something isn't working here. And I tell the story in the book where I met my now husband. I was in my mid thirties because again, it's very hard to show up in relationships if you don't really have an identity. Right. And I remember my husband was like, you know, you're amazing. I love you, but I don't know who you are. And he actually pointed me to the work of becoming more of myself, of coming out of hiding, of learning to speak up. And it starts in really small ways in in chapter. I think it's chapter um, seven. I walk you through these really small ways of even just learning what do I think about things? What are my preferences? What do I like? Can I, can, I, can I make a small promise to myself for one week and keep that promise because it matters to me for no other reason? It's baby steps. It's brave steps to beginning to understand yourself because if no one ever taught you, you know, you think about a healthy parent, you're mirroring your child, right? You're helping your child see, oh, I see where you're so good at that. Oh, that's hard for you. Let me come alongside of you. Let, you know, we need that. If we didn't get that, you have to learn how to do that for yourself. And you can, you can heal. And it's a beautiful journey. And I hope you'll, your, your friend will benefit from this book. Good, good, good. So let me uh, just to our, I'm going to try to take some more calls, but we've got to be a little, we got to be brief because we only got a few minutes left. So we'll need brief questions. And then I know this is hard for, for you also, Dr. Cook. We've got to have brief answers. So let's go. What we call a lightning <laughs> round. We got a lightning round. So I, I, I don't do well with this, but you know, let's, let's give it a shot. Let's go to Dan in West Palm Beach. Dan, you're live on the air. Hey, good afternoon. Um, just any advice you might have because I'm a pleaser. And my wife is depending on me for her happiness. So it's really not a good combination. Um, just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Uh, love that it. Good question. question, Dan. Let's let's get Allison to weigh in. Go ahead, Allison. I love that both if both of you are aware, where if both of you can come to the table and say, we've got to change this dynamic between us, you can do it. And I walk you through a process in the book. But both of you have to realize this isn't working. We're not bringing out the best of each other. We have to change, get some help, get some support. And it's a beautiful place to start. That honesty is a beautiful place to start. Wonderful. Continuing our calls who are doing this briefly. I really like this. Sandy, you're up (laughs) from Colorado. Go ahead. Hello. Thank you so much for all this wonderful information. Um, First of all, do you go into more detail about 
um, oh, shoot, now I'm blank. Um, setting aside the old, when you said perfectionism, uh, mm-hmm. I never really yes. thought of that as old as the old. <laughs> and then also overcoming um, emotional oppression from a long, you know, decades-long marriage um, in divorce and um, at 60 years old. Okay, yeah, Sandy, thank it, you for getting right to that. Go ahead. Yeah, I call it what, we're, we're, what we we manage perceptions versus forging real connections. And so what we have to do is put turn away from the managing perceptions, trying to get people to like us, and toward healing ourselves and showing up more authentically. And that, that, that there's a step-by-step process for how to do that when you've got some baggage, you know, when you've got some suitcase uh, luggage to unpack. You can do it. I promise you. Okay, we're going to try to get one more, but it's got to be like in 15 seconds. Barbara, you're up. Can you give it to us in 15 seconds? Yes. Uh, when I grew up, I didn't have a voice, so I didn't speak. Uh, decisions uh, were made for me. I get anxious. When I need to speak up, I feel something is wrong. How do I do this? What do I say? And how? Thank you. Barbara is amazing. So, Allison, you got about 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 thirty seconds to forty five seconds before we're done. So, go ahead and answer and make that our last answer. Talk about curiosity and compassion. Get curious about that anxiety. What comes up for you? You know, when you're you're about to use your voice and show yourself compassion. There's no shame in that. You've been trained, right? Your body's been conditioned, so it's gonna be anxious when you start to make a change. That's normal. There's nothing wrong with that. Try to show a posture of curiosity toward yourself. Watch out for shame because shame can show up when we start being brave. Shame doesn't always show up after we do something wrong. Sometimes it shows up after we start being brave. So watch out for that and just stay curious one brave step at a time. You have been a super fun guest. Thank you, Allison. Great. Great insights. Again, I want to encourage people to pick up the book. We've given away a few copies. It's called The Best of You, Break Free from Painful Patterns, Mend Your Past, and Discover Your True Self in God. I know we were running through those calls at the end, but we've still had lots of people. All Apologies to all the folks still on hold that we weren't able to get to you. We actually had a great team working on the phones today. Charles Coletta, he's actually just starting out with us, and Mara Martina, Mara Martina is working together. Thank you guys for manning those phones and keeping those moving. I apologize we couldn't get to all of you because I know there were some great questions as well. Let me encourage you to check out The Best of You by Dr. Allison Cook as well. To hear today's program again, go to edstetzerlive.com or on the Moody Radio app. You can also connect with us through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at Ed Stetzer Live. And remember, you can always download this as a podcast. Maybe you found this helpful, you want to listen again, uh, go to edstetzerlive.com. Click through, you'll get to subscribe to the podcast. You can listen to this again as well. And remember, Ed Stets Are Live is a production of Moody Radio. Moody Radio is a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Thanks to Moody Radio, all of our partners and affiliates to have these important ongoing conversations.